Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everyone. I had an experience recently that inspired me to reflect on the concept of a bad worker. I wanted to share some of those reflections with you in case you find yourself in similar experiences. In human performance, we talk about how most of the time it's the system and rarely a culpable employee when we observe at-risk behavior. Focus on the system. Spend more time learning where the system went wrong instead of where people went wrong. We teach that if you need a ratio to follow, 10% of the time it's the worker, 90% of the time it's the system. Strange enough, I still encounter people exposed to human performance focusing on the 10% more than the 90. This is actually normal. The science says 10% of the time it's a bad worker, yet people often focus most of their attention on that 10% instead of the 90% of system issues that we have in our organizations. It's frustrating when you are deeply embracing HP and wanting desperately for your team to think differently, and they are still focused on the bad worker who intentionally violated the rule. It's normal due to cognitive bias. Bias is strong in the human brain. Even when we try not to be biased, the force is still there, influencing our thinking and decision-making. It affects our judgment of people at the subconscious level. I've come to believe that the hardest part of implementing human performance is managing bias. Education in human performance is great to develop awareness, but at root, human performance is an inside job. If we want people to think differently about safety, we are asking them to change from the inside out. That's no small ask. Todd Conklin says that the group that will be asked to change the most are our leaders in our organization. They will need the most attention and coaching. We are not asking them to implement a new procedure. We are asking them to think differently. Again, no small ask. So first I want to talk a little bit about cognitive biases and then move towards how to manage bad workers, intentional violations, and sabotage. Focus inside first, then change what is outside. Focus first on what's going on inside our own brains, how we are thinking about things and people. Then after some deep reflection, act on those new and improved thoughts. People can have 50,000 thoughts a day, with about 80% of them being negative. This is a byproduct of the judgmental caveman brain that we are all born with. That judgmental caveman brain helps us be efficient by not wasting a lot of time thinking about the behaviors of other people. However, this subconscious supposed efficiency works against learning why at-risk behavior is perceived as a good idea in the minds of our workers. In the motivational triad, seek pleasure, avoid pain, conserve energy, the conserve energy component can automatically encourage me to believe that my workplace problem is a bad worker problem. If it's a bad worker, it's easy. It's just them. If my workplace problem is a system problem, I have a lot of work to do, some of which will be very uncomfortable. 
I may have to go bring some bad news to management. I may be unsure of how they are going to take that bad news. I may even experience retribution for bringing up that our wonderful safety culture has some serious system issues. All of this goes against the avoid pain or mental pain component of the motivational triad. Then there's the seek pleasure motivator. As sick as this can sound, it can actually feel good to fire someone. If you believe that your workplace problem is just a person problem, it can actually feel good to get rid of them. Have you ever witnessed an arrogant, egotistical employee get fired? Did you get a little pleasure out of it? Don't worry, it's normal to feel good when bad people are removed from our lives. The point of all of this is to have some self-awareness that what motivates us at the subconscious level can actually hinder our implementation of human performance. One popular cognitive bias is the fundamental attribution error. An example would be thinking someone is late because they are a lazy, unreliable worker. Then when we are late, we blame it on external things like how many different responsibilities we've been forced to juggle. We tend to overestimate personality traits and underestimate the situational forces that influence an individual's behavior. The less you know someone, the more you do this. In human performance, this bias diminishes our desire to learn about system problems, and it influences us to blame people as the problem instead. Reminder, 10% of the time it's the worker, 90% of the time it's the system we place the worker in. One reason we do this is because we know ourselves deeper than anyone else. We know all the stuff going on in our own lives, the juggling of multiple responsibilities. We know the depth of our character and our intentions. We know all the things that got in the way of what we wanted to do. We don't know everything going on in the other person's life, at home or at work. The funny thing about the fundamental attribution error, the more deeply we know other people, the more often we excuse their mistakes and poor decision-making. We do this because we know them better. We know more about the things going on in their life. We know more about their character. We know more about their ratio of positive versus undesired behavior. Engaging the workers, getting to know people, learning their opinions about things at work and outside of work, sometimes can sound a little cliche. However, they are tools to diminish our own biases. The more we know people, the less likely we will judge their character, and the more motivated we will be to learn how our systems are influencing them. Another way to explain this bias is the difference between a personality attribution and a situational attribution. They misbehaved due to fatigue or personal issues, like going through a divorce. That's an example of a situational attribution. A personality attribution would be they misbehaved because they're an arrogant, uncaring, impatient asshole. Personality attributions are consistent and long-lasting. Situational attributions are temporary or uncommon behaviors. That's why we should always think about the ratio of desired to undesired behavior.
Of course, this means we have to know people well to do this kind of behavior assessment. A simple mental trick you can play on yourself is to list three positive qualities about someone when you believe that they are the problem. This forces you to look at them more deeply as a whole human instead of judging them based on one or two undesired behaviors. Whenever we think the problem is the worker, we first need to reflect on these cognitive biases before we take action. We need to accept that these are natural forces going on in our brains and do a little self-awareness work to ensure that they are not driving the actions that we take. From there, we might get a little better at focusing on the 90% of system problems and less on the 10% of people problems. So back to the experience that motivated me to think about all of this. I'm teaching a large group about human performance, and part of the reason is because they recently had a couple events. In one event, a worker wasn't following the safety rules, and when approached, he said, F safety. I don't know much at all about this event. Honestly, I don't know crap about it. It would have been a great event to do a learning team on. It was just interesting that after teaching this human performance course, some of the managers in the room were explaining the cause of the event as a bad worker. They were focusing on the 10% versus the 90%, even after hours of exposure to HP concepts. For the record, they know more about the event than I do. The thing is, if we are truly a learning culture, then wouldn't a bad worker also be an opportunity to learn? I thought a lot about that conversation and wanted to share some of my reflections with you. Even a bad worker is an opportunity to learn. Let's assume a hypothetical. Let's say a worker is performing a task and violating a safety rule or procedure. When the violation is brought to his attention, he responds with F safety. Is this a bad worker or is this a system issue? Is it more complex than that? Could it be a little bit of both? Some people may say it's a bad worker. Some of you may already be thinking about system issues. And some may say it could be both system and personal issues. The point is, even in a scenario like this, there's more to learn. Human performance is about explaining why, not what people did. Management can see behavior, but they can't see the thoughts and emotions triggered by circumstances that show up as an observable behavior. Why did the employee say F safety? Is it worth taking the time to learn the answer to that question? If you think it is worth learning, here are more questions to ponder on. Has this bad worker ever displayed this behavior before? Or is this the one and only time it has ever been witnessed? If it's a singular behavior, why? What was he thinking about and feeling? Is he going through some personal issue? Is he frustrated with a goal conflict or some other workplace struggle? If this is a singular event with a worker who does the right thing most of the time, would coaching be a better response than discipline? But let's say it's not a singular event. Let's say this guy has said F safety before. Then certainly there is more to learn. We could ask, why did he get hired? 
Was there any clue to his behavior during the hiring process or during his initial employment? If he did display this F-safety attitude more than once, why did no one else bring this behavior to our attention? Or did they? Maybe we should go further down that road. If the worker was expressing an anti-safety attitude, how often did he behave that way? Did others notice his behavior? Did they say anything about it? If so, how effective was that communication flow upstream? Did it pass from other workers to the supervisor? Was the supervisor already aware of these attitudes and behaviors? What did the supervisor do with this information? How is this communication flow upstream? Here's what I want to learn. If we do have a bad worker, are others talking about it and communicating to supervisors and managers about it? If they are, is this communication reaching those with the ability to enact fair discipline? Is the communication flow stopping somewhere along this upstream flow? If so, where and why? Where did the communication that we have a bad worker die? Why did the communication flow stop? And here's the other thing. Was anything being done about it? Why did it take a particular event to generate the awareness that we have a bad worker problem? Why didn't we learn that before the event? In human performance, even a bad worker is an opportunity to learn. Maybe it's a singular, isolated event, but maybe it's been happening for a while. If it's been happening for a while, there's a chance it's happening with other workers too. Either way, if it's not a singular, isolated behavior, there's an opportunity to learn. This is also a red flag that we have some system issues to address. If you encounter a bad worker saying F-safety, ask these questions I've covered today. Then decide, after answering these questions, if you think the worker needs discipline or coaching. Also spend time reflecting on how our systems allowed this to occur. Most often, bad workers are a leadership issue. For some of you, you may have already thought of system issues at play here, like breakdowns in communication flow or not engaging and addressing the concerns of coworkers. If so, how would you address these issues? Are employees observing others with bad attitude problems and not saying anything about it? Why? That's a system issue. Maybe it's fear to speak up. Maybe their boss has the same attitude. Maybe the supervisor or manager is related to the bad worker and just tolerated it. Maybe there's some nepotism in our culture that needs to be addressed. Maybe others have spoken up before, but nothing ever changed. Maybe they perceive the company just isn't going to do anything about it, so why speak up? Maybe someone got in trouble or experienced a negative consequence for speaking up in the past. If the company keeps employing workers with bad safety attitudes, how is that influencing our workforce? What kind of social proof is it creating? So here's the deal. Before you commit to the thought that you have a bad worker, first get to know them to limit cognitive bias in your decision-making. This means you need to plan on giving people a lot of second chances. The first offense must be for learning alone. Your job is to engage and learn there. 
Learn the person in the system they are in. If you do your part, then you can make a less biased opinion the second time around. You might have to coach and learn more, but at least you know you are doing your part. From there, if it really is a bad worker, learn why the system is allowing their employment. Discipline as you see fit, but learn why it's happening. If you see it, you're not the only one. There's much to learn there. You know, the more I go down this human performance road, the more I see the need to keep learning. I used to think it was mostly the system and rarely the employee. I'm starting to unlearn that just a little bit. What I'm relearning is that there can be a lot of crossover. Even a bad worker can be a product of system issues deeper in the organization. Even a bad worker is an opportunity to learn. There is no root cause. There are always multiple causal factors. If disciplining a bad worker is determined as a fix, it should never be the only fix. We should still learn why we had a bad worker in the first place. We should still ask system-related questions. It's still an opportunity to learn. Hope you all have a beautiful learning week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.